Cedars for uh, today, and I'm joined by Harry and Dan. And Hi, Hello. Today we're going to be talking about Halloween, mm. the great chain of childless cope and fear. Those are two different subjects. You two have chosen really great titles for your segments as well. Truly. They're going to do so well on well, you. Well, mine was a working title and I forgot to put a proper one in. Oh, I'm literally just talking about fear. I'm Callum's just here to bring fear to the podcast. Callum's very scared yeah. right now. It's the spooky day of the year, so he's very spooked. I'll, I'll tell you what, if uh, because we've got like a bit of a lead time, if you can think of a better title for my segment, post it and then <laughs> I'll, I'll put it... <laughs> I'll put it in before we put we it up on YouTube. We should do this with all of our segments. Well, we should actually, yeah. yeah it would make yeah. it really easy uh, for us. Ask the audience of... And most of them will be racist or have some kind of slur and definitely not be fit yes. for YouTube. But it'd be funny. <laughs> yes. I'm looking forward to the comments section now. I'm not. There are some people, I won't name names, but there are some creators who literally sign onto Twitter at 9am in the morning and type, what would you folks like to hear about today? And then just do, do whatever oh, the quarter comment. But not just um, him. It's, uh, there we go, we named names. But, <laughs> but I, I just, every time I see that, I just a part of me sinks and it's just like, oh, come on. That is kind of what I did today because yes. I turned up and I didn't have an idea. Oh, you were naming Dan. <laughs> this was a slight thrown at Dan. Oh, okay. Who else? All right, but <laughs> so there we are. Um, if, you, if you feel like contributing yeah. or, or being a free worker, you can, you can rename Dan's segment. Yeah. Sign up to the website and pay Wait, £5 a month to do that. All right. <laughs> so you've got a mouse. You've yeah, got a mouse, and I'll, you've got I'll an give, extra mouse, I'll, and I don't have I'll a give mouse. You, I'll, give you, I'll give you this mouse when no. I've done my segment. No, we, we... Uh, your segment's after my segment, or is your segment no, my first? segment's first. Oh, all right. Okay, yes. all right. We are coming across so professional. Please name our titles and, and, and watch us while we bicker about what order we do this in. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to use my mouse to now bring up... We have an announcement. It's a Brokenomics. So there's, yes. there's an episode. It's about Argentina. Argentina over here. That's up at three, and that's a very good episode, actually. It is very good. The, the editor who worked on it, because only one person has seen it so far, but the editor who worked on it came to me and said, that's a really good episode. So He came and he gave, he gave this big speech about how it changed his life, and then everybody clapped for Dan. It was Something like impressive. that, yes. Yeah, everyone on the bus cheered. Yeah. Did you say that, but it is actually what happened. Anyway, so if you want to check that out, do. Um, it's at 3 p.m., so after this, wait half an hour and, um, I don't know, biscuits and tea, and then, and then watch it yes. with more biscuits and tea. Yes. Otherwise, I suppose we shall begin with uh, the news, and apparently the news is it's Halloween. Yes, so it's, it's, it's Halloween in America. Now, um, this is obviously a really big thing for them out there. It, it, it doesn't tend to feature over there. But, um, but no, it's, it's, it's a massive holiday for Americans. Now, if you're not familiar with what an American is, um, they're very straightforward people. What you see is basically what you get. And so 364 days a year, you know, what you see is what you get. And then one day a year, they dress up as something that they're not. But just in case you're not familiar with Americans, here's an example. So these are all um, Americans. Red-blooded Americans. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's as basic as it comes. What you see is what you get. And now if, if you Isn't are the listening... the one on the right Canadian? Um, well, I don't know the name of the one on the left. I just know that she goes by Mom, Or is it Mam or something like that? North American. Who cares? Yes. The one in the middle, this 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 lovely lady is is Blair White, and then we got is that Elliot Page? But anyway, so Americans are a very straight down line. What you see is what you get, except for one day a year when they dress up when something that they're not, um, and um, they celebrate something called Halloween, which is basically their way of begging for sugar from their neighbours. It's like it's like a thing that they do. They they send their kids around to beg. Are they, are they as poor as the North Koreans tell me they are? 
Well, I, I don't know if it's that. So, I mean, I, I spent some time in India once and they, they had a young baby and the, what they had to do, because obviously Indians have a very spicy, rich diet, with, with young babies, they get a little bit of spice and rub it on their gums when they're very little to get them acclimatized to it. So I think Halloween... Right. I, know, I know something about newborn babies is often they can create quite a mess, quite an uncontrollable mess. Yes. And I don't feel like giving them incredibly spicy food, even a well, small amount, yeah, will you, help with that. You, you kind of have to in order to get them acclimatized this, to the is diet. Is this why they're so averse to toilets? Because from a very, very young age... I, I wasn't going to make that point, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're, they're fed a spice diet and don't, never have time, really, to even get to one. <laughs> that, could, that could be it. My, my, my take was more that the, this is the Americans' version. They need to get them acclimatized to sugar as early as possible. So, so here is a chart. And seed oils. Uh, yes. And, and fluoride. Well, they, they don't have a holiday for that, I think. Every day. Maybe that's one of the other ones. I don't, I don't know. Every day got, is like, seed two oil Christmas day in America. America. Christmas and Thanksgiving. But anyway, so this is a chart of growth in, in Halloween in America. Or... Or that, or, no, actually, that, that could be growth in BMI. I think um, it's more BMI. Or, uh, no, actually, no, sorry. sorry. I, I, this, this is um, growth in diabetes. Oh, okay. So there we go. So um, for the young age group there, two this to is, five. This, this segment's going to be a hit with our American audience. Well, it's, it's a celebration of their culture, so I don't see why not. And, and it, it's All right. better because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to give them some advice as how to avoid offensive costumes because apparently that's an also a big thing out there. I thought I'm just the man for that. So anyway, so this is growth in diabetes amongst different age groups. So, you know, because sugar is, is such an important part of their culture, you've got to get them acclimatized, which is that blue line at the bottom, which, as you can see, has done, you know, very well over it's, the last it's, 50 it's been years. doing somersaults recently. What's been going on with that? It looks like a roller coaster. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, the, the older age groups have maintained a nice, healthy rise in diabetes, but the two to fives have, you know, it's... I mean, it's up now. That's Around the, that's 2011, the 2012, when Obama was about to be given his second term. Yes. All of a sudden, everyone just decided to start feeding their kids much better diets for some reason. Or slightly less sugar. I mean, we, we still got like 15% of two to five year olds as diabetic. So, I mean, it's not... I'm not saying that it's... not it's, a massive win, to be honest, I'm Harry. I'm not saying that it's great, but something happened around Obama's second yeah. term that got people in a really good mood for eating healthy. Uh, or less. Or, or maybe, they're, maybe they're just running around a lot. I don't know. Maybe they acquired some Nikes or something. Uh, do you guys go into Halloween? Do you do, you do that? No. No. Did you, did you do it as a kid? Um, we a couple of times went trick-or-treating because we were kids. Yeah. You know, and my parents thought it'd be fun. Yeah. And it kind of was. Right. And that was about it. Pretty much the same here. One time as a child, I went around with some friends on an estate asking yeah. for sweets uh, and okay. the houses, and uh, we got a few, but most of the people opened the door and said, we, we don't have anything for you, and shoot us away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's how it should be in this country. Be gone, beggar. <laughs> exactly that, actually. It's like I'm back there well, right now. That's literally what my dad said to me. I, I remember asking my dad once when I was little, can we, can we go uh, trick-or-treating? And he just looked at me and he said, are you a beggar, son? And I said, no, dad. He said, well, we're not going begging then. And that was it. That was the end that's of the conversation. We asked pretty fair. And, and, and we're talking about this in the office, right? Josh. Sorry, how? Are you all five in this example? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, father, I'm not a beggar. You're right. <laughs> and doffed my cap. But no, uh, apparently Josh, uh, he went, he went trick-or-treating by himself when he was little. And an old lady opened... Typical libertarian. O opened her door to shout at him, you're going to go to hell if you carry on with this deviltry stuff. <laughs> that does sound so like much. 
this explains so much of Josh's character. Well, he 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 did grow I've up in connected um, a few dots now in in Devon or, or Cornwall. You know, one of those. It's 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 like the Arkansas of this country. You know, if if that means anything to you, if there's any Americans watching. But, well, it's yeah. just the rural land. Yes, yes, but the bit with I mean, they, they probably had electricity when Josh was growing up. You know, it's not. It's not. We'll that. have to ask him. Yes. Anyway, so um. Uh, so, so when Halloween comes around now, I, I am basically this guy. If anyone gets the reference uh, to that, so uh, my understanding is that with Halloween, if you have any lights on, that means that you're game for kids to come and knock on your door and harass you and beg for sugar. You know, now that you put it like that, it is a bit weird. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, so if I want to see in my own home. No, no, that's an no, tonight is not the night. So, so basically, every 31st of October, I go around turning off all the lights, even the oven light. I just make sure there's no lights on in anywhere in the house. <laughs> you huddle all the kids and, and in the basement. You, and then you skulk about your house in the dark, lit by a single candle. Well, my, my office is on the back of the house, so I'm safe there. Um, so I can sit there and watch my pod, podcast. What happens to your family? Are they... Well, they go off trick-or-treating. I hate it, but they do it. So they go, they go off begging, but then I'm the only one left in the so house. So you let your dad down. The well, standards established yes. by the previous generations yes. have been completely abandoned by you. Yes, it's not, I'm not proud of it. I'll give you that. But but anyway, so so the point of this segment, what I wanted to get to there's is, a point to this segment. Yes, no, there is, and because because I'm, I'm I'm helping the Americans because every year they have this big national debate about what is and isn't offensive when it comes to costumes, and I thought, well, I know about how to be non-offensive, so I will I will I will help them, and you see. So th- this is the sort of classic thing. So if you send your kid out dressed as a little Indian, that has learned that- the face so yeah. she doesn't get cancelled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've protected the identity of this child. Uh, no, the, no, no, this really is a big thing for Americans, cancelling and getting really quite nasty if you... Uh, Cultural appropriation is, is, is what they call it. So you are only allowed to dress as an Indian if you actually are an Indian. So this little girl, as you can see, she's descended from sort of Nordic whites. So no, she's not, she's not allowed to do that. Um, however, there you go. These people, for example, the, these people can dress as Indians because they are not culturally appropriating. That's, that's basically... They are Indians. There are a bunch of Indians. Yes, and and therefore it's okay. That's the one that's, in the middle, especially so. Yes, but I, I've I've basically looked into the rules, and and this is this this is how it works. Although so who gets it, to dress as a ghost? For who? Well, I just I never really understood the the bullshit rules that this is, which is uh like well, how does that apply to anything else ever, or is it literally just brown people cultures that you can't dress up at if you're yes. like them? That's that's all. That's I really. Th- I think so. I mean, yeah. It, I see. That's exactly it. Also, can I just mention, well, I, a few months ago, Ramaswamy was all over my Twitter feed. Every yeah. single day, there'd be, Ramaswamy does this. He's had an interview with Tucker Carlson. He's done yeah. this. He's done that. Now it's completely dead. And I noticed it coincided exactly with when that video of him doing an embarrassing and cringeworthy rap of Eminem's Lose Yourself came out. Right. And I'm thinking that that really did kill well, his political chance. He must have overtaken DeSantis as number two by now. So... I've not heard much about yeah. him recently. So in the comments below, let me know what Vivek's up to. <laughs> I'm just curious. Did I, I heard did a bit of spaces a, with him yesterday? Did letting a video no, of him rapping we, kill we, his we're career? getting off topic. Anyway, so the point is you can dress up as an Indian if you're an Indian, but for some reason, you're not allowed to dress up as Anne Frank even if you are Jewish. 
So these rules do seem slightly inconsistent to me. Sorry, where did you find this? Yeah, stock why photo did you find this image? Anne Frank outfit. Is this on Amazon? Uh, Child dressed as Anne Frank is a very strange thing to find on your search history, Dan. Yes. Well, can I look it up? There's lots of reasons why that might. But anyway, so why can why can Jewish people not dress as Anne Frank if you're an Indian, and then you can dress up as a little <laughs> Indian? I, 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 well, you're not googling Anne Frank costumes. It's on Amazon. Nine pounds. Oh, there we go. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so so that then brought me to following this chain of logic. So this was a famous one. So this is Prince Harry dressed as a um, as a German officer from the mid nineteenth century. Um, that was apparently well, his family are German, aren't they? So well, th- this, this yeah, that was exactly That's my fine. point. That was exactly my point because he's he's his great or great great grandfather was was King George the First of Britain, right? Who was born in Hanover and he didn't speak any English. He only spoke German. So apparently the House of Windsor used to be known as the House of Saxe, Colberg, and Gotha, but it was renamed Windsor in World War One because they thought having a German name while being at war with the Germans was was bad PR. Yeah, the part, yes. But there's also the fact that his great uncle, King Edward, was a Nazi. Well, y- yes, that as well. So, yes. so therefore, under the rules which I have determined, which so the Americans follow, acceptable. he should be able to dress as. A Nazi. I don't see they why should not. Be able to do it twenty four. So, yeah, I think he should do it twenty four yes. seven. Just because, because it would be funny. Because he he he's obeying the rules of of not culturally uh, appropriating, which is apparently the thing. Um, and the other thing that uh, or, that you know, one of these stories comes up every year. So this is um, some article in Newsweek. Student wears KKK Halloween costume um, and ends up getting reprimanded. And there's basically always a story like this. This every was it not just a a, a ghost costume. No, I think I think that is, yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, I know that that's not a ghost outfit, but if you just put a no, white no, no, sheet no. over yourself and say, that's, I'm a that's the ghost logo. <laughs> <laughs> the trade union of ghosts. Yes. But my point with this is, right, if you're a Democrat, you should be able, under these rules, you should be able to dress up as a member of the KKK. Fair point. Because it is part of your culture. It's part of your history. So, you know, at, at very minimum... You know, there, there you go. There's, there's a there's a demo, There's a couple of Democrats, and yep. and that one on the right is is Robert Byrd, who was a, a U.S. senator, and um, earlier in his life he was also a KKK Grand Wizard. Was he actually? Yes. Oh. So Barack Obama should be able to wear a clown outfit all he wants. Well, um, the, the 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 KKK. I mean, you can is, get is, permission. Yeah, like probably you'll get the old fellas. A lot of people forget that the the first murder that the KKK ever committed was a Republican. Um, congressman, I believe. So it was they in, in popular history. They just went round um, murdering blacks. Actually, it was blacks and Republicans that the KKK was after. So I think that if you are a Democrat or if your parents voted for Obama, you should be able to wear a KKK costume for Halloween because it's part of your culture and part of your history. <laughs> the clan for Obama. Well, he's, he's a, a new caucus, a daring one, I may say. <laughs> Tell me if my logic is wrong on this. No, I think I, you're fine. I think. I, I think that I am I am following the, the logic of this American holiday, holiday perfectly because, you know, you, you get all of these. Um, so here, I mean, there's a whole bunch of these. I mean, I, I picked this Are one. Are going to Reddit much. for intellectual discussion now? Well, but the point is, there's a whole load of Reddit um, questions, which is like, um, so this guy's saying, I'm thinking of dressing up as a character from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, is that offensive? Is that allowed? And this is the sort of the thing that Americans culture. struggle with. Was it? To pirates. 
He's going to offend the pirates of the city. No, no, no. no. He's, he'll be dressing up as, uh, or she will be dressing up as uh, Calypso or something, a voodoo priest. You, you, you don't, no, it's, the, the problem is, in America, at this point, everything is offensive. So when it comes to Halloween, these people are genuinely fraught with what the hell do I wear? And so that's why they well, have these are the same. This is on Reddit. So this is probably yes. the same type of person that would also go after somebody else for dressing in an outfit that they deem to be offensive. Yeah, so but I mean, they brought the, the, it on themselves. Yeah, you get what you this, this is American youth. Anyway, so I, I read this thread down. Um, I, I so would, they want I to would... be a voodoo priestess, is what they're saying here. So you are right, Harry. They want to be clubs. So that could be an issue there. Yes. Well, anyway, so the consensus formed on this particular thread was that pirate is an occupation. And not a and not a race. What, what, what if I say I'm a I'm a corsair, I'm a Barbary corsair? Then it then is it offensive? Possibly. I don't know because I mean again, voodoo priestess is also just a job title, a weird job yes. title. But yeah, I, suppose, I, I, suppose I suppose so. There is no racial requirement to be a voodoo priestess, is there? I mean, it is still a job. And it's pretty culturally tethered, I would say. Yes. But next time I have to pay taxes to the government under self-employed, I'm just going to put voodoo priestess. <laughs> That's going to be my next answer on the census occupation. Yeah, but but anyway, so the, the, where they eventually got to on this one, they they debated it back and forth, and they came to the conclusion that that dressing up as a pirate for Halloween was perfectly fine. So you should be fine dressing up as a pirate. So there you go. If you want to dress up as a Somali tonight, um, you should be. I've got everything for that. Album. I mean, I was planning on it already, but I'm glad yes. to know that I've got Reddit's uh, permission. Yes, you, you you won't be offensive. Now, when it comes to not being offensive. Uh, and not, um, you know, not not causing anyone um, concern. Let, let's have a look at uh, somebody who got this right. So th- there's uh, Matt Perry from from Friends dressing up as a as a rabbit. So that that I think is an example of something which is, you know, that that's not going to offend anyone. Would you agree with me? What about Easter pagans? Well, I didn't think of that. Maybe you're maybe you're better off just dressing up as a zombie, which is of course a recently deceased person. Well, like I, I, again, you need to leave the Joe Biden voters out of this. <laughs> I'm, just going to say, I'm just going to say as well, just because it's yes. it's it's topical news. You know, we yeah. uh, I, I know that Ma- Matthew Perry recently died, so rest in peace. No disrespect to him. No, none at all. None at all. But you you could take inspiration from this photo and dress up as as a bunny, or or, or possibly go the other way, which is a you know a, a zombie, a recently deceased person, or combine or, the two. Or a potato, as Ross appears to be dressed as. A recently there. deceased rabbit would also, you know, not not be offensive to anybody. I don't know. I've not watched Friends. Yes. You haven't watched Friends? What? I've been subjected to it from time to time and never got it. What? You're the weird one now. Callum, <laughs> you didn't know who Eric Clapton was until I had to explain it to you three times, and you probably still don't. You oh. don't know any music whatsoever. But I did watch I've, Friends. I have thrown many cultural references your way over the years and you've not understood any of them and just because I've not watched honestly the most overrated sitcom ever I'm the weirdo yes you should not have I didn't really watch it either I had to see where the (laughs) oh no we're icking Callum out oh dear uncultured spines another one that apparently trips a lot of them up is, is dressing as a Mexican because they, they tend to, apparently, within the Americans dress as a Mexican, they just tend to wear a, a towel and a big hat and carry around a bottle of alcohol and just act drunk and lazy. And apparently that is offensive. It's pretty accurate to me. Well, the thing is, I've been to Mexico, and, and 
That's there were a lot of drunk people, and they were really lazy as well. I mean, I've I've been to yeah. Spain this year, and there's a there's a connection between Spain and yeah, Mexico, I, and you also get something similar there. Yes. Now I, I, I've got to be clear. I'm not actually blaming the Mexicans because it's really bloody hot there, so you don't feel like moving fast. It's similar in Spain as well, especially the more, yeah. more south you go. It's really warm in those areas, yeah. so you want to be able to take frequent breaks. Well, uh, yes, exactly, and they just have a little sleep during the middle of the day. So, so I I don't we think have so that, much that, to learn. that one is, is is a bit harsh. Um, Keep, keeping with the, the remit of something that everybody, everybody is going to agree is popular, I thought it was a, a bad decision for, for Amazon to remove this mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, so, so this is a, um, a George Floyd mask, um, which has been available on Amazon for, for about a couple of years now. Um, coming up to Halloween, they removed it. I don't know why. Well, they put it back on after Halloween. Yeah, but that, well, this, is, this is when you need it most. We read the ratings. Yeah, let's read. <laughs> let's look at the Amazon reviews. It's beautiful. <laughs> good. Beautiful. Good. Black life matter. Oh, black life. Only the one, though. His was the only one that ever mattered. I can't breathe. What is this? I can't. <laughs> oh, not working. I want to see the image someone's posted. An image. Just click on the image and see if it comes up a bit oh, bigger. Yeah. Open image and new tab. There we are. Dan. Oh. <laughs> even Jack, can you, can you zoom in real quick for us? Can you, uh, what, with, a, with a telescope or something? That doesn't. It's a local man who has got a uh, oh. George Floyd shirt, a George Floyd doll, and a George <laughs> Floyd mask. He he's really like, committing. Steal his look. Only one hundred dollars. This man cares about black lives. Best mask ever. And that man, yes. Callum. That man in that picture, Derek Chauvin. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. He's you, repented. Fully. You, you, could, you could have a couple of guys go out. One in this mask, and one in a. Is there a Chauvin mask? I don't know. I, I what, and they shake hands. <laughs> World peace. <laughs> Skip along together. Share a Pepsi or something. I don't know. I'm convinced Ma- Martin that... Luther King's dream has finally been... Oh, hang on. What, what I'm this convinced that this mask is no good against COVID, but great if you want to put fentanyl strip in your mouth. <laughs> it only comes with a five-star one. Together, right? I like that the person themselves is Floyd for Life. They created the Floyd for Life account just for this review. Oh, no. That, I think that's the name of the review. Oh, it's Aaron. Guys, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Anyway, there we are. Yeah. So, um... Good reviews. So yeah, so it's, it's well reviewed, but for some reason they, they took it off. It was a bestseller. Right. Yeah, it was a bestseller. They took it off right before Halloween, which I I, I don't think. Oh my god, this got a Sam <laughs> Wade one. <laughs> I am coming. <laughs> that uh, is quite scary. Okay, I mean, I'm sorry to derail things, but yeah, it's quite funny. So anyway, yeah, I don't that. think there was much to derail, to be honest. Well, I, I I I'll get us I'll get us back. Oh. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get us back on track by just saying I th- would, it, would it be wrong for me to dress as a monkey for Halloween? No, it, it would be right for you to dress as the <laughs> Sam, as the Sam Hyde. Hyde. Isn't, that, isn't that one of our gold tier subscribers, the one who writes the books? What? what? No, <laughs> I don't think it is. No. C.S. Cooper, yes. we've, we've rumbled you. <laughs> my uncle got this for my birthday. Sure he did. <laughs> right. That's so anyway. a cool uncle, actually. Your uncle knows enough to know to get you a Sam Hyde shirt. Sorry, Dan. I, I I think I have given our American audience sound advice as to how to avoid... Wait, wait, wait. That review, life-changing. My <laughs> wife came back and now I'm a Bitcoin billionaire. What is this? Success comes to those who buy the Sam Hyde shirt. Oh, I see. Not sponsored. But might as well be. Right, can I end my segment now before, yeah, sure, we, before we just buy everything? Anyway, so I, th- <laughs> I think we've, we've given Americans solid advice as to how to avoid being offensive tonight. Um, 
Although they're what my final effort, I was a little bit unsure about. I'll, I'll see where you guys, if you feel that this falls on the right or the wrong side of, of tasteful Halloween costumes. All right. Um, what do you reckon? I'm I'm on no. Yeah, no. People listening, uh, we're looking at a local lady who has a, a a baby down her leg and a lot of red paint. Yeah, she 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 her Halloween costume is her abortion. Um. Uh, possibly, possibly that one is going too far. But everything else we talked about, as long as you are culturally, you know, that, have fun tonight. What? It's 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 the thing. You have to be that thing. And but, then it's oh, okay. I thought you said culturally, and then took someone into bed. Oh no, I'm just I'm just doing Trump hands. Oh, okay, all right. And I don't know why. Could you imagine that long young lady there turning up at your door, trick or treat? Like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'd punch her in the face. Now, that would be violence against women. She's only okay when her master is. Okay. No, it's time to move on. So, mouse. You want this mouse? I, I need a mouse. I also, I'm going to steal your little box. Not my box. It's mine now. There you go. Have a mouse. Thank you. I'm glad to see that all is going well and running smoothly. Yes. Very professional. Okay, so I've identified the great chain of cope. Are you aware of the great chain of cope? No. Well, you know what cope is, right? Yeah. And yeah. There's, there's a lot of it. And it seems that there is a progression of cope, mainly from childless women, a lot of whom get to the point where they hit their 40s or sometimes even their 50s and realize all of these bad decisions they've made throughout their lives. Oh, and they yeah. decide misery loves company. And so they say, all of the bad decisions that I've made, I'm going to encourage younger women to make. And therefore, they will make the bad decisions that I've made validating my own terrible life. Particularly if they're editors of, of magazines that sell well to young women. Yes. And I want to be clear that I'm not trying to be malicious against some of these women who've written the articles that I'm going to talk about in a moment. Just because some of them have reached their 40s and gone through IVF treatment, for instance, and been able to have children. And it's quite sad to me that they've reached the point in their lives where they've realized, actually, I do want something a bit meaningful. I do want something a bit more. But I'm also going to encourage women to take the same choices that I did, where I'm basically just going to wait until the very last minute to do so at incredible expense through medical treatments that are only going to work some of the time. And the mental toll. And the mental toll of it. We had a lovely subscriber well, send us an email a while back where he was just talking about this. He was like, this is not what you would want for yourself, and I wouldn't advise it for anyone to have to go through IVF rather than being able to just have children at a sooner time. Yes. Once again, I'm glad that some of these women have made the choices to have children and do something more meaningful. But still, there's some recognitions in these articles that I'll look at where you just think to yourself, okay, you should be encouraging women to not make these decisions because a lot of them are going to get to the point where they're frozen their eggs, go for IVF, anything like that in their mid-40s, and it just won't work. So let's not encourage women to make these bad decisions, but these women are encouraging women to make bad decisions, thereby justifying all of their own. And talking about women's decisions, um, what you want to watch, obviously, is a video of a load of men, a load of manly men, including this, this man right here, mm. talking about the trad wife question on the recent trend of TikTok and other social media platforms putting women out there or women choosing to put themselves out there as trad wife characters where they're encouraging the virtues of the more traditional life where you stay in, you make dinner and sandwiches in the kitchen for your husband 
he goes out and earns the money for you and you have lots of bountiful, beautiful children together. And baked bread. And baked bread. Yes, and uh, it seemed very interesting. There was a bit of a contention. As you can see, it's, been, it's got quite a few views and it's got a lot of comments. It's got lots of comments, most of which are trying to tell off Rory for having a different opinion. So would you like to discuss a little bit of this, Dan, and say what, what value people can get from this? Um, so basically, Carl and I was arguing that, that trad thottery, you know, the, these women who sort of, you know, do the trad thing on Instagram or whatever is, is a positive because the culture is now so debauched where we are now that pulling us back in the right direction through this is better than, you know, blue hair and camel toes and whatever else you get on Instagram. Whereas Rory was basically arguing it's not good enough and therefore kill it with fire. Would you say that's a fair summation of his stance? Yes. All right, fair play. Well, if you want to watch that, it's uh, subscribers only, and you can subscribe to the website for as little as £5 per month. So the premium... Lads Hours have been very popular so far. I think they've been quite the hit. They're certainly one of my favorite shows to appear on, so you should definitely watch that. And let's get into what I'm talking about. So this is off the back of some articles that have been released recently. This one, for instance, came out yesterday, and I know what you're thinking. The Guardian is not exactly a virtuous place to find good news and excellent takes, but it is a place to observe people trying to justify their own bad decisions. The co- I mean, you haven't even read any of it yet, but the cope is strong. Yeah, the, the cope is very strong just from the headline alone. So this is Emma Gannon saying, I've chosen to be child-free. Here is how I plan to build a life full of joy and meaning. And, you know, I'm glad that you're deciding that you'll need to fill the gaping hole in your life. Um, but this is Emma right here. Uh, I'm, I will make no comment. Let's read through a little bit of this and see what we can learn. So she says, straight away, The subheading, even though I'm happy with my decision to not have children, not having kids can sometimes make me feel untethered. So I've built a list of alternative milestones. So like I say, I don't think people like Emma would have made the life decisions that she has to decide to be child-free at the age that she is, had there not been a whole generation or two of women before, probably influenced by second wave feminism, saying this is a good thing, you want to just entirely focus on a career you want to be a career woman yes you want to be a high-powered girl boss that's what gives you meaning you, like, you don't want to be answering to a man and a child you want to be answering to your boss yes who will replace you the moment it becomes convenient and pay for your abortion if you happen yes. to get pregnant by accident which is how you know someone really cares about you um yeah they've they've got two generations or so of women who've been encouraging that lifestyle and that cultural pressure that that builds on them telling them that well if i do have the trad lifestyle if i have a, a husband and children then that, that's actually going to be me chained down to the patriarchy whereas if i work for the high powered corporation who doesn't actually care about me that's not me being oppressed that's me being liberated so without yes. those kinds of cultural pressures women like this probably wouldn't have made the same decisions that they have but now they're in the position where they've made these decisions you can't just admit to yourself i was tricked I've given myself a life without meaning. You have to think to yourself, I've got to justify this somehow. It, it's not my fault. Well, and the other it's thing the of course, is the children who are wrong. Yeah, I mean, you guys are in your 20s, but I mean, w- women, once they get into their sort of 30s and especially towards the end of their 30s, the baby rabies come on really strong. And we so, get a bit of that in these articles here. Yeah, well, so for, the, for this woman to have pushed through that, and then that must have taken a, a, a quite a substantial force of will. 
So the, the need to cope strong is going to be... And, and even then, yeah. it, you can see through what I'll read that it only takes the slightest comment to chip away at that armor that she's built around herself and knock it all down and it all comes crumbling. I can so, imagine. So she says, a friend came over for dinner recently and brought her newborn daughter. She was adorable, giggling, drooling, and kicking her legs with gusto. My husband and I are very open about the fact that we don't want to have children. I am child-free by choice, and it feels like an important distinction to make. I've never tried to get pregnant. I have no idea how my body would work or not work in that department. It will probably always remain a mystery. And uh, you can tell that it's something that's just completely natural, and she's perfectly happy with that because she has to write articles in The Guardian justifying it to everybody around her. I've realized recently, though, the reality of my situation. She goes on about how her friends talk about the milestones that you get to live through your children. You get to relive your own milestones when the child first walks, when you take them to a theme park for the first time, and you get to relive that childlike wonder that you experienced as a child. And she realizes that she won't have any of that herself. So she says, I will never have these milestones that come with having children. Even though I'm sure I don't want to have kids, which is like a repeated mantra. It's like a chant that she gives to herself. I'm sure I don't want kids. I don't want kids. A period of existential worry has crept up on me. The feeling that I've somehow already ticked off all of, my life, uh, all of my life's big moments. Last year, I got married. Tick. Bought a house. Tick. And then there was a feeling of, what next? I was haunted by a conversation I had with a woman who worked at a beauty counter who, as she applied wax to my eyebrows, asked me if I had children. When I replied, no, and that I don't think I want to have them, see how it's already chipping away slightly. I'm sure I don't want to have I think I don't want to have them, even in the context of this one article. She said, I hope you have enough to fill your life with. Life is very long. Yeah. All of it exploded. With that one sentence, that one recommendation, fill your life with something, then all comes crashing to a like, oh God, my life is meaningless now. Because your, your career trajectory is pretty much where it's going to be by the mid-30s. I mean, there's a few more promotions to come, but basically, you know, you, you're, you're... You're probably you're, financially set. You're comfortable yeah. enough. You've She's married, so she already yeah. has a home life set up, so it's not like she's going to go out dating and experiencing new things that yeah. way. So what is there now? And then you've got another 45 years of stagnation. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I... You know, uh, sometimes we go into these articles with a feeling of rubbing it in their faces. But I genuinely feel quite sad reading things like this because I think to myself that these life decisions that you've made wouldn't have been the ones that you'd made. You'd have made in a vacuum, in all likelihood. They've been foisted onto you by the culture that you've grown up in, and now you're left to pick up the baggage and find out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Obviously, life doesn't have to be meaningless in these circumstances, but it's going to be much more difficult to try and fill your life with meaning in yeah. this situation. So here, here's the things that she's decided to do. And tell me if these, these aren't, if I'm perfectly honest with you, the most basic bitch things that you can imagine to try and do to fill your life with. In fact, actually, before I go, give me a guess at what she's going to do. Instead of having milestones that she can live with her children, what do you two think that she's going to do to well, fill you, her life with meaning? You set it up by saying it's, it's really basic. So I'm imagining having a lie-in um, getting drunk. I mean, she's going to go on dinner. holiday to Spain. Yeah. Callum's the closest so far. So the number one, first one, is make your dream travel list. And this is even, even worse here because she says, I've started an epic list of places I could uh, to go and things to see. It feels so good to write down these ideas and locations, even if financially or log uh, logistically they're not possible now or in the near future. 
So it's not even that I'm going to go and do it. It's that I hope maybe to one day, Sorry, my, how... my boss will maybe be able to afford to give me a raise so that I can do this. How crap is her job? Because one of them is going to Scotland. It's not the most expensive I don't know. thing you could ever you could do that on a bus. Right. From, just... from this picture, it looks like, as, ridicu- as much as it looks like she's wearing a tablecloth, <laughs> this is probably quite expensive fashion. So she could probably afford it, but it's just weird that it's not the desire. It's, it's not the going and doing this thing. It's the desire to go and do things. It's the, I'm going to write a list and the list will make me feel better, disconnected from the actions. Yeah, she, this is somebody who's living entirely in the future rather than today. And he, I wouldn't even say that because part of the joy of planning a holiday is that you plan for the future and then when you get to the future, you get to go and do it. She is living entirely in the moment of, I have written this list and this list has made me feel better right now. Mm. So I, I would say it's the opposite of what you're saying is that she's possibly getting the, gra- uh, she's getting the satisfaction from the list and not the potential future action. Very, very strange. It's just also hollow. Yeah, she, she also has measure your life in knowledge, which is a fancy way of saying get a hobby. I'm going to indulge in hobbies. Okay, that's fair. You can get a lot of reward from doing hobbies. I particularly enjoy playing music. That's always a good one. Look beyond family. For Ruby Warrington, the author of the book Women Without Kids, that's why you've made these life choices as you are mi- reading books like that. That's why you make bad decisions, is if you read books called things like Women Without Kids, if you see a loved one, a female loved one, reading books like that, slap it out of her hand straight away because you are going to save her a lifetime of sorrow. The only milestones women without children are allowed are seemingly menopause, retirement, and death. Being child-free, she says, helps her to experience life more as one long, ever-evolving moment that will bring all sorts of challenges and shifts in opportunities. But it's not evolving, though, is it? It's pretty stagnant. Yes. And, and also, and, and you see that it's one long, ever-evolving moment. You live entirely in the moment, entirely in the present, with no thought to the past or the future. Everything is just as it is right now, with no attempt to change, even if you convince yourself that it's going to be ever-evolving. Your life is the same, forever and ever and ever. This is terrible advice. Don't listen to women who write books. And this is where the chains are. You can start to see the links, is that feminism creates women like Ruby Warrington who write books like Women Without Kids, women like this on the promise from the culture that it will be liberating if she reads books like Women Without Kids and indulges in that lifestyle, read that, get terrible ideas, and then go on to write articles like this which encourage more women to think to themselves, I can have a fulfilling life if I make these life decisions, even though this is cope. Yes, it's bad, it's bad enough having done this to herself, but the fact that she's trying to push this on other young women and hold this up as an example, it would be much more honest if she just said, I'm desperately sad with my life choices. Please don't copy me. But you can't be honest, because if you're honest to yourself, the entire facade of your life Yes. Cl- uh, collapses. But in the, in the avoidance of being honest, she's trying to doom other young women into this sort of um, nine to five grind, which they will become immensely dissatisfied with and leave. And even then, with all of this, the maternal instinct still kicks in because one of the suggestions yes. is build purpose, celebrating your life for how you can help others to be, uh, can be really powerful. 
helping others. So I doubt she does that. There's, I, I doubt it as well. But let's be fair. Yeah. That's a that's the maternal instinct. I want to help others. I want to be there for other people. I want to help other people. You, you know the way that that maternal you want instinct. Surrogate children. The way you're saying yeah, she's yes. going to get lots of dogs and cats. Well, no, it's worse than that. Because the maternal instinct manifests, and, and you can see this clearly in the voting instincts and opinion polls, the maternal instinct in childless women manifests as let's have as many immigrants as we can. Yes, because they're basically overgrown children that I can yep. nanny. And then what happens is, and again, you can see this from the polling data, the moment they have kids, um, they suddenly flip. They're now anti-immigration. So child, childless women are the most dangerous voting block of them all. And I think, I mean, connecting this, this up, I think that's why they had to go after Russell Brand so hard, because he was speaking to that segment, which is basically the, the glowing nucleus of left-wing politics, single young women. Um, and um, yeah, it, 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 it results in, in this sort of monstrosity. Yeah, and then what happens when a woman like this, if she's not already, hits her 40s? Well, she decides, actually, actually, I did want children the entire time. And that's why we get articles like this from The Independent, from Charlotte Cripps saying, your 40s is the perfect decade to have your first child. It's really I'm, not. I'm living my best life. And with, with this, once again, I am very happy for Charlotte that she has been able to go through IVF treatments and have children. As she explains in this article, she says that she's in her 40s, tragically the man that she was trying to conceive with, with the IVF, took his own life while they were going through the process. So it's all quite oh, a tragic situation. But as a result of the treatment, she was able to have two daughters. And they're healthy and they're happy. And that's fantastic for her. Yes. But realistically speaking, IVF, as I've mentioned earlier, very, very expensive and yes. not always guaranteed. And I looked at... Well, and it's, it's really hard physically on the woman as well. It is very it's, it's hard. It's a tough thing to go through and you spend a bloody fortune on it. And then if, you hit, if, if you're between the age of 40 and 42, the chances of it succeeding are 9.4%. With IVF? With IVF. Wow. If you're past 42, it drops to 6%. Wow. Okay. So th this woman, Charlotte, she does actually acknowledge that the, the, there are difficulties, she says. Yeah. Of course, there are so all sorts of advantages to having children in your 20s and 30s. A huge bonus is that you're simply more fertile. She explains the costs of it. If I go, oh, bloody hell. Sorry, just boomerang it. Um, she talks about how it's very, very expensive. It's, uh, let's see, £4,000 to £7,000 in the UK. A lot of women aren't just going to have that at hand, especially if they've chosen to be single. I know that this woman didn't, but a lot of women who are going through this will choose to be single to try and go through this process. So you've chosen to be child-free, and then you hit your 40s, or maybe your late 30s, and your biology, your body is screaming to you. The compulsion is too I strong. I really to want children, actually. I've made so well, many mistakes. And, and raising kids alone is bloody hard. I mean, it's hard enough when there's two of you. Yes. Obviously, this woman wouldn't have raised them alone if, she, if her yes. partner hadn't, um, hadn't yes. taken his own life. But she sounds like, she says at the end here, it's actually quite sweet in a, in a way. She says, every day since becoming a mum, I've embraced the mess and chaos and appreciate every minute I'm sure my younger self would cringe at the thought of me spending my evenings helping my children with my homework, with their homework, but I'm proud to say that I'm living my best life. I'm really happy yeah. for her that she's been able to do that. But it, but it would have been nice if she hadn't been fed a constant stream of propaganda when she was in her 20s and 30s and early 30s so that she could have come to this realization a decade earlier. Yes. And so, as I've, as I've said, 
childless. I'm, I've chosen to be child-free. Actually, I want children. And also, unlike Charlotte, a lot of these women are going to say, I'm single because I, I was too busy working my high-powered girl boss job to even think about getting into a relationship. So what happens? They say it's oppression that I'm not being given this by the taxpayer, that my IVF treatment, being as expensive as it is, isn't being subsidized for me by other people's productive contributions to the economy. This is an interesting one. Nicole Collarbone never thought she would be a single mother, but as she neared her 40th birthday, she knew she no longer wanted to wait to meet her partner to have a baby. She decided to have IVF with a sperm donor, but with the steep price of fertility treatment and no one to share the costs with, Nicole hoped she could at least get part of it on the NHS. Why? Because Why does she hope that? Because you have to subsidize other people's poor life choices. You didn't go and have sex and have kids, so someone else needs to pay for magic. Yes. The expensive magic that is modern medicine. Just the way is you and I need to pay taxes so that foreigners can be imported and given free housing in London, meaning that we could never afford to live in London. Women who decide not to have children until it's too late and then have a costly and very inconsistent medical procedure to try and have children when it's too late, we need to pay for that as well. Every single time. She's among a rising number of single women choosing solo motherhood. Terrible idea. Absolutely terrible idea. Children... Well, sorry, that doesn't exist. Like, you have the magic of modern medicine to be able to do that. Yes. That is an amazing privilege, and you have to pay for it. The idea you're... In any other society, in any other time, you could be a solo mother. Doesn't exist. What are you talking about? Also, it's just not good for the children. I'm sure yeah. that if, if you're watching this and you're a single mother from circumstances that aren't under your control, I sympathize with you and understand how difficult that must be. But if you have the choice, if you're able to make the reasoned decision, you should have children in a, a mother and father, two-parent household, because that is what's best for the children. There is a 44% increase in women with no partner doing IVF between 2019 and 2021, according to the Human Fertilization Embryology Authority. And I'm sorry to have to break this to, to uh, say it this way, but that's almost certainly going to be a 44% increase in young boys and girls identifying as the opposite gender. Let's be perfectly honest. The kind of life decisions that will lead to these women so choosing solo motherhood when they get into their 1940s is going to be a result of the same kind of social attitudes that go straight into that kind of And idea. of course, the other thing we haven't touched upon is, you know, what's wrong with adoption? Or, that's a good question. Uh, or, or fostering. You know, there, there's lots of ways that you could play the maternal role um, without, without doing this. And we've also got to advocate institutional change in here as well, because uh, some say it's unfair because over half of the NHS England integrated care boards, which decide on who can get fertility treatment locally, don't include a single woman on them. So we need to get more women in the institution so that women can choose to give themselves more free money, free money from the taxpayer. Yeah. I want Story money. of democracy. Okay. Yep, that, that is all democracy has ever really been about, getting political power so you can pay yourself more things. But don't worry, at the bottom here, the government has said that uh, local health services in England follow guidelines with the National Institute for Health and Care, excellence, and a review of these guidelines is expected next year. So they will probably say, we need to be giving single women who've made terrible decisions with their lives more free money from the taxpayer. So that's something to look forward to. So that's a, that's a quick tour down the links of the great chain of cope. 
I hope that's made everyone. Uh, I, I've, I hope I've appropriately brought everybody down after the laugh riot that was Dan's segment. <laughs> Cheered us right up, Harry. I suppose on that note, it's stay away. Well. This is my mouse. There are many like it, but this one is mine. I had a mouse once. Anyway, today I wanted to talk about fear. And this is going to be a bit of an odd one, I imagine. But I think it's fair to say that all societies at all times have functioned somewhat on fear. Now, it's usually the fear of the king and his men. Or, as we've advanced in the West, one of the pretty beautiful things we managed to do was made people just afraid of the law instead, in which we could then adjust the laws through democracy and so on and so forth. Blah, 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 liberal theory. I'm sure that's I've... a nice fairy tale you've laid out for me there. Everyone's used to that. But it was better than just having the king and his men and us just being afraid of whatever they might do, which is obviously the case for much of the world still. And now we live in a different time. And I wanted to evidence this with an event that's taken place that's, well, been going on for a couple of weekends now and I think has culminated in a tale which very much shows how much our society has degraded. So we'll start off with this link here which is that you may have noticed this thing happened, which we sort of glossed over that was new because, of course, there were the civilians who were killed and then a bunch that were abducted by Hamas in Israel. And for some reason, in a bunch of Western countries, uh, Israeli groups and Jewish groups started putting up posters of the people who had been kidnapped with their names, faces, to try and gin up support for Israel. And um, that's pretty weird, frankly. I mean, just as a, it, okay, it makes sense from a political perspective, trying ways of awareness and uh, concern for what's going on, don't get me wrong. But that is still kind of weird. We don't usually have this. But okay. And the response is that some people have started taking them down, supporters of Hamas or Palestine, right? And well, we now have to live in the fear of if you are the person who takes those down, you're going to be filmed and your life very much could be ruined. At least that's what we've seen in quite a few instances. And okay, that's great. That's, that's new. Fantastic. You don't have to live in fear of if you don't like some posters that have been put up. Specifically only these ones for now, but let's not pretend that won't be expanded. And so I thought we'd just real quickly take a look at these posters, because of course, you know, I'm not pro-destroying these. They're just like whatever. I'm I'm not a big fan of having political stuff in public if we can help it anyway. But these seem to be the least offensive things I've put up. Or what have been put up. I haven't put them up. As you can see here, the names of the people who have been kidnapped, a bunch of Israelis, 40 years old, 28 year old, you know, some kids, nine year old sorry, nine-month-year-old, has been kidnapped. And then just some local urban ladies destroying them. Okay. That's you see the local, local British Brits. women. Yeah, of course. And you want to jump a support for Israel? Go go ahead. Yeah, that's you're right, whatever. And I think the, the situation with all this, not getting into Israel-Palestine, but instead just focusing on the conversation we've been having in the West, this has been really weird. Because, I mean, the whole conflict started off with the news for us, as we saw it, as a bunch of guys from Hamas broke into Israel and butchered a bunch of civilians and then stole a bunch of civilians as hostages. I mean, it's not a great way to start off an advocation for your cause as the, the news cycle changes to the new thing, right? I mean, it's the perfect narrative mm. for Israeli PR. And then since then, Palestinian supporters all over the West, and explicitly talking about those in the West, have been caught chanting gas the juice in Sydney, um, storming airports in Dagestan. That was fun. Um, and then we also have people throwing rats into McDonald's along with the more normal chanting, I suppose you could call it, of them saying, from the river to the sea, which is, of course, a genocidal call. As well, it was talking. just funny that immediately after the uh, atrocities had been announced in the news that had happened uh, on the Israeli-Gaza border, that all of the BLM groups and other such um, 
barely with any context, just immediately went, yes, we support this wholeheartedly. And we say that this is what decolonization has always been about, which is basically just the, murdering. The one that, the one that got me was those exact same leftists who spend like 99% of their time um, campaigning against violence against women were cheering when that Israeli German girl got gang raped and murdered on the back of a pickup truck. You know, it's the same people celebrating both sides of that. The, the Western response is certainly something. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about with the rats, this is this here. Uh, local man, urban man, uh, coloured some rats in with spray paint of the Palestinian flag and then threw a whole bunch of them into a random McDonald's so that the minimum wage workers have to This is how my side wins supporters. Yeah, and then gives you a list of other things to target because um, we're why, the good guys. Why so, rats with the Palestinian colours spray painted on them? This I'd seen this clip gone around without any context. I'm very confused. The thing is, those are those... Fancy rat? They're not like street rats. Those are like those fancy rats that you. So someone spent a lot of money yes. on those. Yeah, that's quite to... a lot of money. That sure, but you could not make yourselves look more like the bad guys. To be honest, yes. I think supporters of Palestine in the West have done the worst PR job possible. I mean, I've not I've not seen anything from the Western guys that would make me even slightly support them. And hanging out with communists, they've been doing gross stuff like this. They've been uh, chanting "gas the Jews," which again. Not exactly something that would put people on their side, right? And so now, in the West, we have to live in fear of our neighbors acting, well, like insane people, throwing rats into the local McDonald's. Thanks, thanks, guys. Don't I love living in this neighborhood? And this reminded me of the situation we've had in the UK. The English Defense League, the EDL, they couldn't hold a single protest without an aggressive and large police presence. When the media also did everything they could to crush support for the EDL, the native... Uh, Advocacy group. As you I, I, I remember being often arrested for defending themselves against counter protesters. I remember being in London once, um, and the, it's 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 uh, Speaker's Corner at the top of Hyde Park as well, from where these protests take place. And I was going past there, and I saw there's a Tommy Robinson thing. He he had turned up, and he was in the news or something like that at the time. Anyway, um, there was police all over the place. I mean, they came out really mob handed to shut this thing down every single time. But that's not what happened with any of this, of course. And I'm going to focus on the posters specifically just for uh, the sake of showing something. And this is where we'll start. So you can see here lots of accounts and lots of people who put up these posters were then recording people on their phones of people pulling them down. And this obviously being a way to try and shut down people who are doing this. They would get them fired, etc., or try and destroy their lives socially. We can see some more here. This is uh, some local black American women who've been doing that. So they recognize us. You know, let's recognize her, sorry. DM us. And we'll... Uh, well, see who these people are in context, where they work or whatever. You can see some university women here as well uh, who decided that they would pull them down. Uh, this goes on and on. There's some more university women here This uh, in Boston University who are ripping them down. Again, here are some more university women from New York University. Awful lot of women in all of this. I don't know why that is, but yeah. seems to be an overrepresentation to normal political activity. Usually... Women are kind of massively underrepresented in any political activity because they're not that interested. But this, don't know. But that was a thing. You can see some more here. Local lady, just holding them down. And it keeps going and keeps going. So there's another American woman. And here's some local boys. They were a dentist, apparently, this chap here. And as Visegrad reports, he is in Florida and lost his job after was recorded pulling those posters down. That's how... Society. And that's the underlying assumption with a lot of this stuff, isn't it? Is, is the reason they're being filmed is because the, the person doing the filming takes it as given that society at large is 
is going to be against this sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm not sure that is a given in the West anymore. Well, you look at these individuals doing it and they've got a different perspective. They don't think they're going to be shut down. In fact, the, the Muslim part of the West seems to have massively held the line, as you might put it. Yeah. They don't care what you say about them. They don't care what they do and they will support their own. It might also be because they've gotten so used to the establishment being on their side. Well, like those Harvard students. Even when we're talking about physical violence, I mean, we saw at the protest multiple different people either flying the flag of the group that went out and killed people, flying the paragliders as a symbol of glory, or just saying what they did was fine, or was resistance or anything else. It's like, of all the ways you could argue for Palestine, this is not the one. This is the one to make me hate you, because you're literally cheering on killing civilians there. But this group doesn't care. They, they don't need to. They, they held the line in their own community, so to speak, even when it comes to something as gross as killing civilians. And this brings us on to the event which I think, well, culminates all of this. The police taking part. This happened in a multiple bunch of locations now because these posters sort of became like a weird sacrosanct thing in the West for a small period where anyone pulling them down would have their, their lives. So British police are now pulling down posters of kidnapped Israeli civilians. Yeah, I, I, I think... David Atherton here is actually being quite fair in how he's characterizing this by saying the police do not want community tensions inflamed because they obviously are becoming a, an inflection point for yeah, divisions. Yeah, what, what, would, what would have happened to you and I if we had pulled down BLM protests well, of course. two years ago? You would have been inflaming would... in community tensions, wouldn't you? Yes. Because you are a native and therefore you are held to a higher standard. Well, that, that's the underlying point here. So, I mean, I can see a lot of people are getting upset that, the, you know, the police have chosen, basically chosen a side. The police are coming down on the anti-Israeli side. They're, they're, they're coming down as, you know, pro-Hamas pro on this. And I can understand a lot of the Jews and the Israelis are going to be upset by that. Imagine being a native Brit. We've had to have 25 years of knowing the police are against us. And it's not uncommon. I, I, as you can see, this is the Met Police also doing the same thing here. So it's not just Greater Manchester Police. It's the well, police of London as well, pulling it down, and people making the point they're no longer impartial. And, uh, and Callum's right. You, you're right to say that we're held to the higher standard because the assumption is always, and it's not entirely unfounded, that minorities, um, you could say it's cultural, you could say it's because they've been getting away with this sort of thing for so long, they know they can get away with it, are expected that if they see something that is even remotely against them, they're just instinctually, yeah. they, they get riled they, up. They have they no impulse control. Yeah, no impulse control. They can't control their emotions and they will have to commit violence or form some sort of mob or do something that will end up destroying a community. Whereas we aren't the ones who are... Whereas if you're white British, you can have your girls raped for decades and the police can cover it up and you're just expected to take it on the chin. Well, we'll go to the police's statement because, of course, they have released one to this because a lot of Jewish groups were taking pictures of them being like, what the hell? Um... Why have you picked a side in this? Don't you know you're not meant to pick a side in such things? And the Metropolitan Police obviously have released all of this. I'm going to read some of it. They say local residents believed that the posters were put on specific shutters. It's not even true in the Greater Manchester one. That was a wall, so it doesn't even make sense. But they say in this incident in London, it was put on the shutters as retaliation for comments about the conflict on social media by the business owner. So presumably a Muslim supporting Palestine. Officers went to the shop and acting in good faith, they removed the posters to prevent any such escalation. We have a responsibility to take reasonable steps to stop issues escalating and to avoid further increasing community tensions. Oh, that's what policing is, isn't it? It's the police living in fear of the local community. Instead, we're not of fear of the law. We're not of any of such things. 
It's, it's not even to do with the subject at this point. The police force, His Majesty's police force over here, they are the ones afraid of the community. The not, not the native communities. A new one. Well, this, this is a direct result of the anarcho-tyranny that we've been living under when the government has been importing in masses of client groups for years and years and years. And the police for a long time in England haven't been acting as an operative of the law, as you say it, uh, this disembodied rule set that we're all supposed to adhere by, where previously the original intention of the police was almost for them to be uniformed civilians, doing what you, being paid to do what you'd be expected to as your civic duty anyway. They're instead agents of the state. So what happens? They need to keep the state's peace and not our peace. That's the thing. Policing is not, apparently, the enforcement of the law to enable natural rights, which could include free speech. It's not ensuring safety of the civilian population. Not what they've been engaging in. It's to avoid community tensions. So that the immigration can keep flowing without hiccups. But that's the point. It is for the diverse population. I mean, stopping anything that could rile up the diverse population. Well, well con- consider this. If these communities do break out into large-scale riots on a near-constant basis, destroy their own communities and hurt those around them who aren't part of their communities, who might even be natives... The gi- diverse population isn't the problem. You are. That gives us a lot of ammunition through which to criticize the government, doesn't it? And that's the real concern here. But the, the way they see it is not, we have to control the people who are engaging in crime. It is instead, whoever has caused this to happen, which even if it includes correct criticism, that is the problem that needs to be removed. Because after all, these people in this specific population can't be expected to do anything else other than be violent, apparently. That is the mindset you have to have to come to this conclusion. And it's so crystallized in this specific example. The native population, such as we were talking about the EDL earlier, they are held to a higher standard. They can be demanded of not to engage in violence, and we will not remove anything that causes an upset for them. Instead, we will heavily police them and make sure they stay within the bounds of the law. That's why you have the aggressive and large police presence to anything the EDL did, even if it was just a peaceful protest. But when it comes to this population, instead, we have to remove the problem that's annoying them. And the whole point about, oh, this is because of community tensions. Well, of course, we're talking about London. And there might have been something you remember quite recently, which was another event in which people put up posters on the shop shutters. And this was Indian businessmen who tried to detain a thief who was stealing from them. And the local black population, because the thief was black, decided to side with the thief and turned up, shoved things all over their shutters, including racist statements. Is the man on the right with the beret, is that a black Hebrew Israelite necklace he's wearing? They might very well be. But that incident is obviously blacks versus Indians. It's not even to do with white British. And I love the way that they, the lens that they, the lens that they immediately put it through. They don't, because I mean, if, if somebody from your local town was caught stealing and there was a tussle, the question you'd ask is, well, did they do it or not? Did they steal? You, you wouldn't even, you, you would immediately go to, did they actually do the thing that was, was the thing? Whereas with this group, they instantly go to, are they part of my group or not? And that's the only lens that they put this through. It's tribal self-interest. Yes. And that's, that's the population. That's one thing. But when the police come to it and ask the same conversation, which is, which group's more diverse? Well, in this case, which group is more diverse? That word that doesn't mean what it says. Well, it's the black population, not the Indian one, is it? They're the ones closer to the whites. It's closer to whiteness, as, of course, it's put through the phrase. Well, in their mind, this, this photo is 100% diversity because diversity means non-white. 
It doesn't mean anything else. But even when we're dealing with Indians versus black, there's no white people here. Yeah. Well, we have to use the lens of critical race theory of what's closer to whiteness. And that's the Indians, isn't it? It's not the black population. So they were able to engage in something the police are now saying is totally a crime because that's inflaming community tensions. But these guys turning up and putting racist statements against Indians on an Indian shop, that's not inflaming community tensions. They do not care about rule of law. They do not care about whether or not you should be afraid of the king and his men. It is all them being afraid of whichever community they happen to be dealing with today. And this is what a Western country can be correctly defined as at this point, from an outside perspective looking at it. It is a place in which everyone lives in fear of the violent, diverse elements. Even the police fear them, as the example was given there with the Palestinian protesters. Whichever group is willing to be more tribal, violent, or unreasonable, that's the group that rules society in that local area. That's an incentive structure, which is a complete race to the bottom. That is not going to build or sustain a society that's worth living in. Instead, it is one that incentivizes the place to get worse and worse. And this is why the police have ended up in this bottom. Might, might you say that it incentivizes the race to everywhere becoming a third world, world asshole? Well, if your idea of a wonderful society is one where the police pick sides in your local ethnic conflict, decide which one's more diverse and then defend them, that's not one I would pick. Well, well, I would pick one where we have the rule of law. The West has a genuinely rare mindset when it comes to sort of governments and societal cohesion, all that kind of stuff. It is it is that of reciprocity and is that of individuality, and it works by saying, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna judge everybody by a standard. We're gonna treat other people as we should be treated ourselves, and it it works and it and it did work in Northern European societies where they were largely homogeneous. But what we then started doing was started importing people from places where they think purely on tribal lines. They think purely on family. And that's why you started getting, you know, you can walk into a, a chain shop in this country now and you'll notice that everybody's the same ethnicity. It's not necessarily all the same in all the different shops. But basically, you get one manager in and then he only hires from his group. So we, we've got an incompatible software running in the minds of the people that we're bringing in. And so at some point, the, the white population is going to have to go either I'm going to get outcompeted on everything or I adopt this mindset. Well. I would say not outcompeted because that suggests that it's on, based on merit. It's based on nepotism is what you're describing there, I, the in-group preference. I don't want to get into a whole conversation about uh, ethnic aspects in that regard. But when it comes to policing, because there's a natural response. Okay, well, the national government has decided that we're going to have mass immigration. What's the natural response to that? Well, as a police force, you can impl implement the rule of law fairly on whoever you want. Or you can do what the British police have done for the last 20 years, ending in this result here, which is prioritizing, as they put it, community tensions. I mean, it's just a complete race to the bottom. There's a reason why British society is uniquely damaged when it comes to incidents like this, even compared to Europe. But I'll end this off with something, which is that, well, could you even keep the society going? And we have some data on this, thanks to Denmark. Their government decided to release some data on, well, why do Danes turn against immigration? And the answer was because it doesn't pay for itself. It literally can't afford the society it lives in. I mean, you can see an image here of just average Danish street, I presume. And they have an image in here. I don't know if you can zoom a little bit. This is one of my favorite graphs ever. It's complicated. Denmark's average net contribution to the public finances by age. And then they have it broken down by, well, I suppose, ethnic group. They have those of Danish origin. Once you reach about 30 or something, you've paid your debt and you're now contributing to the public purse, and then you'll take it off when you get to about 60 and become a uh, drag on the system, right? Other Western immigrants, okay, it's a bit of a lack, but they uh, still pay for themselves. The specific data on here, I think that the Dutch were the ones most likely to put the most money in, and then the United States, etc. 
And then you've got other non-Western immigrants where it's just not really worth it. That's a net drain in its entirety, except a little period where you get some more money into the purse. And then you have, as they put the, the uh, system here. Middle East and North Africa, Pakistan and Turkey. Where at zero point will you ever get a net contributing. And over the lifetime of the people you have brought in there, you lose a huge amount of cash. So, so and, the and you, is, it's, it's complicated, but actually that is as very clear simple. a signal as you will ever get on a Because another thing to data. take into consideration is here, even with the other non-Western immigrants who are making a contribution, even a small contribution for a brief period of what, about 20 years, maybe 30 years in their own lives, they will be coming over and because of incredibly lax immigration laws, they will probably be bringing over the rest of their family most of whom exist in the extreme ends of that bell curve there, which means yeah. that they, they may be a small contributor by themselves, but they are bringing in a massive drain. Well, there's a broke down version of this, of, of all places on the, the Reddit thread for Europe, as you can see on the subreddit. And they have it broken down by uh, country of origin as well. And as you can see, the Netherlands being the biggest contributor of uh, people who are non-Danish. Is that Somalia at the bottom? It is indeed. You have the United States, France, Germany, so forth. And, uh, it's impressive. It's always the Somalians who are at the bottom. Same in the social housing in London. 72% of the Somalians are in social housing. Even though you get those people at roughly about their 20s, you don't have to pay for their upbringing, and then they should be the most productive at the time you're getting them. We have, as you can see there, the ones taking the most over their lifetime. Uh, Somalis, Syrians, Libyans, Iraqis, and Afghanis. So the people most likely support Palestine in this case. The people you see who won't go to Palestine will never move there. Instead, they come to Europe. Some reason that they're never able to answer, except you have money. Um, they literally can't afford the society they're living in. The data is solid on this. Wonder why your taxes are going sky high recently? Well, well, a lot of it is this. The more important thing to me, because this is Danish data, coming back to the UK and our status of policing, is that these people apparently can't even afford the society they live in, and yet they're the ones that the police are most afraid of. They are the ones that they fear instead. And maybe the West will just keep chugging on in some form. But there's no reason to even do any of this. I mean, as people have rightly pointed out, this is the West committing its own suicide if it carries on down that path of, trust me, bro, more migrants equals more good. Do not investigate the data at all. Oh, I, I've, and already, then the I've result... already written off France and Germany. There's some question to mind, mind as whether this country can survive. Well, one, I, once I'd again, but the end, the end point being that, do you want to live in a society which is solely based on fear of little communities instead of the law. I think the law would be a much better way to run, well, anything. Yeah, but it's, it's a mindset that doesn't work outside of Northern Europeans. Yeah, There's a way to solve them, isn't there? On your point, Dan, I, I keep saying the way to solve this, you don't need to have boots on the ground, bans going out to forcibly deport people. Just cut down the magic money tree that all of these people are living off and they will choose to go of their own accord. You do that and you enforce um, food hygiene standards, so, so the way that meat is slaughtered. So basically you get rid of halal meat, you get rid of welfare, and then you'll find that this will just naturally start reversing. And you, re you regulate the foreign businesses fairly with the same regulations that native businesses have to go under and then it's fine. Yep, and it will take care of itself. Well, I suppose we'll, we'll move on to the video comments. No one's ever heard of equal application of the law before. No. Politician that described Euro-African relations as being the whites coming to the Africans with a Bible while the Africans had the land. And when they prayed together, the blacks had the Bible and the whites had the land. And this is a simplistic cope, obviously, but I am seeing a parallel to the current 
Western Malays going off UGs, where they're funneling all their capital to these newcomers and then thinking that all the virtue they ha are getting from this supposedly is somehow going to be beneficial when at the end the refugees are going to have all the power and the money in the end. I'm sorry. Excellent work on the censorship. E excellent work on the editing there. Did you not notice that he said it twice? It's <laughs> amazing. He did my duff ear. He did say refugees, didn't he? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, there was some worry before this. Oh, is this going to slide? So we thought, oh, okay, censor it just to be safe. Played it anyway. <laughs> no, we said it twice. We censored the once. That's hilarious. For no. people wondering, the origin of that, I believe, is from Germany because they had uh, Cologne, where a bunch of refugees did rape people at New Year's. That was the New Year's. So, yeah, that was thousands of women, I believe. It doesn't come from nowhere. No, it doesn't. The data. Yep. But you're right, though. I mean, there, there is this weird aspect of the West where they think giving money to foreigners, you get like good boy points that you can then spend in the shop after that interaction. Mm. There are no good boy points. So yep. recently I've been reading about the old Barbary Wars, the Barbary Corsairs, and the North African Barbary Coast. And uh, in, in, in the book that I'm reading, he also mentions it. Simon Webb, who actually writes for the website, it's a good book on the white slaves of Islam. Um, but he talks about the Danegeld in that and how Rudyard Kipling had a, had a poem on the Danegeld pointing out that if you pay somebody to not interfere with you and you don't have anything that you're threatening with them on the other side to make sure the payments don't just increase. The payments will just, the Dane Geld's going to get higher and higher and higher. And if you pay the Dane Geld, don't get rid of the Dane. And that's why I'm here. Because you'd never got rid of the Dane. Suddenly didn't. For the next one. Hey, Lotus Eaters. Last week you were wondering how Trudeau got into power in Canada in the first place. It's because he's king of the Champagne Socialists. He's the best at what they do. Uh, concerning the progressive games that they play. Secondly, concerning the gay Israelis for Hamas and Palestine, they don't even see the inherent contradiction. All they care about is, I see you and your oppression. You identify with me. Yeah, pretty much. In group out, group preference. Who, who, what was the name of the leader at the beginning? Trudeau. Oh, Trudeau. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know if we could have state-mandated McDonald's chefs, but I mean, if there's anyone who deserves them, it is those people. Like, if you if you just wave a quiz for Palestine flyers, like, right, no, you've not had enough reality. Get in the McDonald's mind. You have to work. <laughs> You're mining the fries. Yeah. Go to the next one. You know, it is quite surprising that pro-Palestine groups are not labeled Nazis. You see, before World War II, Palestine agreed to take Germany's dues in the Havara Agreement. However, they went back on the promise and supposedly suggested to Germany exactly what they could do with their Jews, which Germany did. Didn't hear a word of that. I'm too distracted by the creepy robot at this point. Yeah, uh, getting more and more lifelike. So, the robot wives are coming. The Talking normalization about of Nazis. I mean, Nazis have been on a, on a bit of a hero redemption arc. <laughs> Over the last few years, because I remember he was from... talking about the Havara Agreement, which was the I think 1935 agreement between the Nazis and um, right. and uh, Jewish groups and also parts of Palestine to yeah. take in the Ger the German Jews that they wanted out of the country. Oh no, I, I was just going to make the point that for you know must have been 25, 20 years, something like that. All we ever heard about was denazification. If if there was a hint that a, a metropolitan police officer, you know, even liked a Facebook post which was vaguely connected with the Nazis, they'd be hunted out. Everything was about denazification everywhere. 
And in the last, you know, six months, we've had literal Nazis being applauded in the Canadian Parliament and people chanting on the streets of Western cities, gas the Jews. And everybody's like, oh, oh yes, excellent. Well done. But people we'll, do forget that early Ukrainian time as well. Oh, like, yes, yes. Ah, yes, of course. It, uh, the logo for our Nazi group just stands for National Idea in English. Yes. Even though we don't have these letters in our language. And the BBC went, that's good enough. Makes perfect sense to me. It's it's funny when you could go back and find the Times magazine articles talking about the deadly Nazi uprising threat within parts of Ukraine, and then but, articles but, from almost the same authors the year or two after saying like, no, it doesn't exist. You see my point that you know the the Nazis are kind of doing that Darth Vader redemption arc, and they're almost at the point where they're, they're back in vogue. Yes. <laughs> I'm just see, I'm just picturing Darth Vader with the Nazi bandits <laughs> on throwing the, <laughs> throwing the emperor down the shaft. As off for Palestine, is, is the emperor the Does Jewish people in this? I don't know. I, d- I don't know who the emperor would be in yes. this situation. Putin, perhaps. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> yes, I think that's all of the video comments that we have. Oh, is it all right? Okay. Uh, well, I'm just I'm just saying it's a, it's a strange analogy to have to <laughs> swear in your mind. Let's go to the written comments then. So, Dan, if you want to read your ones on Halloween. Yes. So, um, Anon Imi says, uh, can I finally post zombies who are offensive because they exist in San Francisco? Yes. And as you made the point, they are Joe Biden's core vote base. Uh, Mr. Award says, there's usually a trend with female Halloween costumes, sexy nurse, sexy ghost, sexy cop. Yeah. And Frank might be in a bit poor taste. I didn't put any um, of the sexy costumes in my segment because I have enough people in the comments calling me a Kuma Boomer as it is. So, well, you are. I, well, yes, but I thought I thought I would, but I'd make it a little bit harder. You're, harder a, for you're more a Gen X Kuma, aren't you? Yes. Mister Fox says I found the answer to trick or treaters. I got sick to death of spending, well, the wife spending a fortune on sweets and then sitting on her fat ass. So I had to answer the door. We had a white German shepherd at the time in our living room window right beside the front door. So I set up a green LED uh, strip light on the windowsill, uh, switched it by my chair. Our dog had a habit of rushing to the window. And when anyone came to the door, so I smeared fake blood around her mouth and jowls. And as soon as they knocked at the door, the dog covered in blood jumps up to the windowsill, barking and a green light comes on behind that. And that was the last year trick-or-treaters came to our house. Oh. If that's good. if that's true, that's genius. Yes, if that works. Um, oh, Miss Miss Rat says, and and she is an American, so she probably knows about these things. Uh, so, how many of these little kids have type two, and how many have type one diabetes? Is caused by genetic, and uh, and, and how many is, is caused by poor eating? So, I I think well, given that it's rising pretty consistently, it would, yes. be, it would be shocking if there was that much of an influx of poor genetics in the, the general population. Yes. Uh, outside of the increase in, uh, in new demographics entering the country, but still, yes. it'd be surprising if there was that much of a shift in genetics to cause that much of a steep rise in so short a time. It well, is probably if, if you took my if you took my diabetes graph and you overlaid the change in the in the US demographics and then you overlaid the change in the in the sugar consumption, I'm pretty sure the the latter would lie. I up. I have a bad feeling that if you took a demographic map of America and then took a map of diabetes hotspots of America. It would be the same map of America that pops up every single time. Yes. Like, for instance, when you're looking at homicide rates and such. Daisy sent me a map earlier of uh, the places in the United Kingdom that have the most bike thefts. I wonder, I wonder. It, it did. Yeah. 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 Mr. Power says, 
So the same group that gets pissy and temperamental, oh God, he's talking about women, um, emphasis on the word mental over other people wearing costumes of whoever they like, yet damned if you tell them something that they are not. Yes, yes. Right, I'll read some of my comments. The real Bigfoot, you need to get in touch with Carl, he's very interested in speaking to you, says, my wife and I are early 30s with a young child. Many of our friends our age have sworn off the idea of having children and it is something of a touchy subject. I, I feel bad for you. It must be quite awkward being one of the only couples having children in a bunch of childless harpies because I imagine they get very defensive on the subject. They get short and irritable if it's brought up. Yeah, that's defensiveness is what I'm hearing here. I understand people's fear in today's environment to have children, but it's the most rewarding experience we've ever had. I genuinely worry how they'll feel when they're old, gray, and lonely in their later days. That's the thing is, as this person who I was speaking about in the first article said, just being reminded that, you know, life, life lasts for quite a bit longer after you've re left your mid-30s was enough to set her off into a, oh God, I need to find out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Because you can't just spend the rest of your, you can't be fulfilled spending the rest of your life drinking wine with your cats every evening. We didn't yeah. speak about it, but let's do it now. All right. You guys notice that that seems to be a much harder thing to learn for women than men. If you tell a man who hasn't got kids in his 30s, what are you going to fill the next 40 years with? It's not that devastating compared to when a woman does that, I feel. Mm. Because we can find stuff to do. Well, it, it might yeah. just be part of the typical differences between men and women that have been commented on for hundreds of years at this point, which is just that men are more interested in things. Women are more interested in people. But also, you can get to your 50s and, and start a family then. If you're a man, yeah. yes. But as if, if you're a woman, then you have a yeah. much more limited amount of time to be able to You need to, to get so. your life together quicker as a woman. Th th there's also the fact that <laughs> Schopenhauer, even in the 1800s, was commenting on this, which is that men tend to think in terms of past and future, constantly considering what's come before and after you. Women, much more so than men, live more in the present. So these kinds of women who, as we saw from the books that she was referring to, you want to live in one extended moment constantly for the rest of your life when reminded that there is something that comes after this moment right now, and that is the future. Probably haven't considered it quite as much. Obviously, that won't be the same for all women, but it is something that I've noticed, which is women are much more present-orientated. That's one of the reasons that you need a two-parent household to be able to raise children properly because you need someone who's dedicated to child's needs right now and somebody who's dedicated to the child's needs for the future because it balances out. You need the masculine and the feminine. And also just on a very practical basis of, you know, uh, alternating on bedtimes, alternating on breakfast. I mean, that yeah. is an absolute Just the practical considerations of yeah. having two people to be able to deal with everything. That makes much yeah. more sense. Anyway, carrying on. Mike Hunt. I know, I know what you're trying to get me to say, Mike. I once shared a house with two childless women in their mid-30s. One didn't want children because of climate change. Oh, that's a fun new one, isn't it? They I, I wouldn't want to. It's either... I don't want... That is brainwashing, isn't it? Oh, that is just complete brainwashing. That's why I say I feel bad for these women because they've been fed a culture that tells them that there are all of these nebulous reasons why it's actually evil for them to have kids. Not just the patriarchy, not just you're feeding into the patriarchy, you're actually going to destroy But, but that, that's Earth. all a prefrontal cortex thing. The baby rabies kicks in from the lizard brain. Oh, yeah. And it, and it gets way stronger than anything. That'll, be, that'll be straight from the amygdala. Yes. The brain telling you, you want kids. Yes. You want kids. You're uh, older, so I want to ask you this. What's the worst case of baby rabies you've ever seen? And what does it look like? Oh, 
Um, yeah, it's difficult to give an example without giving away oh, too person. much. Right, but that's, but that's fair. But you've seen some pretty bad ones. Yeah, well, it's, it's just kind of it's just kind of universal because you you notice that in the twenties they're all about their career, and in their in their sort of early thirties they're sort of starting to question their assumptions, and by the late thirties it is just all out. Mega Man, yeah, like Bridget Jones every day. Have so you seen Bridget? Actually, Jones? I'll, I'll give an ex- I'll give an example of somebody. Yeah, this is an example of somebody um, who I knew a long time ago. She actually dated a mate of mine when she was in her early thirties, and he was like eighteen or something. So all like you know, well, oh, okay, cougar you. situation. Yeah. Because she, 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 whatever she liked younger men, but she couldn't bring herself to, to have kids with him because he was he was just too young, and basically she she was she was a very good looking lady, but by the time she got to the point where she couldn't put this off any longer, she ended up just grabbing this absolute muppet, and he was an absolute bloody muppet just because she needed somebody to have kids with right then right there, and so you end up making a very quick decision that doesn't pan out in the long run yeah so you you're basically in your in your 20s your choices are very wide and they start to narrow very very rapidly as you go past your your 30s and if you leave it to you like 38 your choices is like one guy and it's like okay him or no well this is one of the reasons that we've been seeing a big uptick recently in women in their late 30s starting to really try and clamp down on men the same age as them going out with younger women. Because, oh, they, they hate that, yeah. Because, because, well, it's, because yes. it's, it's slimming down their own dating pool. Why are you dating Because their, their dating pool is me? slim enough as it is, and so, they, and so they want to hang on to as many... They don't want the competition with younger women who exactly. have the inherent advantage. Yeah. So um, if we get the incels and we get the baby rabies ladies and put them together, two birds, one stone, it's worth a try. I mean, it's sure it's tragedy for the baby rabies lady. I mean, but she is getting a baby out of it, and well, it's her own fault. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. When when these older women, they always ask, you know, where are the good men? Right. They're back in your twenties, where you left them. They're all married yeah. now. Yes. That's where they are. But I'll carry on with Mike's comment. So he said she didn't want it because of climate change, modern social media, and because it would be hard work. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, everything's hard work. Do you know what else is uh, hard work? Living alone. And the other wanted wanted children, but only with a man who was way out of her league and who would center his life around her. Safe to say, I didn't stay there too long. Fair play, Mike. I'll tell you, that's the other thing you'll notice as with the women in your life as you go through the 30s is, is quite a lot of them. They have their standard of men that they, that they want and the standard of men they can achieve is, is like there's a gap. And basically, their expectations start to come down, but it's never, too never late. as fast as, as the reality of what they're willing I mean, to is, accept. Uh, do you see yeah. those um, studies that they've done where they've done the graphs of men's rating of women versus women's rating of men? And yeah. men are more than happy. They dot about all over the place. They'll give some women a uh, five, some a six, but they'll give lots of women eight, nines, and tens. M- men are very practical because they will always find something like, okay, yeah, she's got a bit of a fat ass, but a nice pair, and she can smile, so yeah. Well. Yeah, th- th- there you go. Men have very different standards, whereas women, I think, very rarely rated any man, even the Giga Chad types, yes. above a six, because women just have very strange expectations Well, that that's how, how they're rating on, men. On dating apps, because... Um, on dating apps, they've got a special algorithm to, f- to figure out when it's a man in, pos- in, in, pose- in posturing as a woman. And basically, if you don't reject at least 95 or 96% of the men, then it, it flags you up as an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. 
I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. And on that subject, Derek Power here says, to be a bit spicy, I wouldn't be surprised if many of these women have also convinced themselves that they wanted Prince Charming Chadley. So they waste their prime years riding that carousel for guys who are just interested in them for sex and nothing more. In the meantime, they reject most men who would be perfectly suitable for them. And then when their beauty fades, they try to come back to those men and they reject her. They made the bed. Now they have to lie in it. Lie in it. Yeah, that's just what we were saying there. Dirty Belter says, I think that past a certain age, maybe 32, you should not be, <laughs> you should not be able to vote if you don't have kids. I think I think anybody below the age of 32, myself included, yeah. shouldn't be able to vote. And then past 32, yes, you should have kids. You need to have some kind of knowledge and investment of the society that you live in. I'm, I'm willing to consider a point system for the vote. So if you've served in the military for at least 10 years, you can vote. If you've had kids, maybe you can vote. If you're, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, you can vote. The, 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 there needs to be multiple ways in. There needs this. to be some kind of investment yeah. that you've already paid into the society and you're yes. interested in that future. Not that you arrived 10 minutes ago on a boat and got given a flat. Oh, here, here we go. If you do have kids and are married, then you get an additional vote per kid. Yes. Robert Longshaw says, that woman, by not having children, is purposefully leaving aside the full gamut of human experience to concentrate on me, 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 me. Yes. Should we go on to yours? Sure. Um, there's a guy who's criticizing me here, and actually I quite like it. I think we should put criticism first in the future. Uh, Grant's mentioning that the segment was very sad because there's no charity or attempt to understand the point of view of the people who are ripping down the posters and having their, their lives ruined. Um, entirely purposely so. The, the whole purpose of that segment was me to be as objective as possible about what is Western society and trying to be an outsider perspective on it rather than um, getting into the mindset of the people involved. Because it's, it's, I think that's a better way of diagnosing the disease that society has is, is yeah. being so clinical and being like, right, that's what they do. Okay. And this is also what they do. And what's the end result? Uh, the place in the form of the UK. Is and then you're perfectly place. welcome to draw your own conclusions whether you think that's a good idea or not. Yeah. I mean, my, my point. Um, and all of this was to say, you know, here's what policing in the UK currently looks like. And as someone mentions here, I think it's uh, Omar Awad, the fact that they maintain current community tensions. They, they try and get rid of the current community tensions at the expense of future community tensions. Mm. And this is consistently the problem. There's snowball something small until we have this huge snowball, which is everyone feeling miserable as to how they've been treated by the state on every single level. And this is most impacted, I think, in the um, white British population, because when they have any kind of ethnic um, consciousness, when it, when it comes through in the form of the EDL or whatever else, it doesn't matter, the EDL is just the, the big example to mind, the state does what it would usually do, which is massive and aggressive police response. But with any other group, no, why would we? That would inflame community tensions. Well, there is no reason for the uh, white British group there to feel that they have a society that even slightly works for them, if that's the response. Yeah, it's, it's a massive PR campaign that the elites are constantly playing to make up for the last disaster that they've caused. And these PR campaigns lay the groundwork for the next disaster that they're going to cause. Because like you say, it's just one giant snowball. I suppose basically on that note, I'm, I'm out of time, I'm afraid to say, but this, um, that's just what it is. If you'd like more, come back in half an hour and um, get your tea and biscuits and enjoy Dan's Brokenomics. Otherwise... Back tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you, chaps.